Yo, it's the Southside's own Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. There's a blast deep into the night. And a two-run homer for Baez. And there it goes. Abreu massacres this ball to left center field. Donna goes in motion left. Snap it to Michelle. He's running to the left. Angling. 25-20. Got a block for Brown. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. 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 Don't win it. We're headed to Atlanta. Trubisky's going to run it. And he is going to get a first down. With Jonathan Hood, weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. What's up, what's up? Live from Chicago, this is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Alongside Chris Black, Jonathan Hood with you as we broadcast live from our first Midwest Bank studio. It's the way banking is supposed to be. We'll open phone lines for you at 312-332-ESPN. 332-3776 is our phone number. Follow us on Twitter at TweetJHood at Chris Black. After seven hours of spending time with each other at the Advocate Center, it wasn't enough. How about another two here on a Friday night? Let's do it. There's a lot to break down. Uh, Obviously, Kobe White being selected by the Bulls at seven. A great pick for the Chicago Bulls. If you're a Bulls fan tonight, you should be excited at what the Bulls did last night heading into next season. A lot of questions that we can ask tonight as we look forward to this roster, what they're going to do in free agency coming up. And also, Jonathan, the rest of the NBA, as we saw a lot of interesting moves, a lot of teams doing some smart things, and some teams that uh, maybe not so smart, and we'll get into that throughout the next two hours. Within the framework of our program, we'll hear from John Paxson, the Vice President of Basketball Operations. An interesting interview, conversation with John Paxson, falling on his sword on a number of things about this Bulls organization that we will review as we move forward throughout the broadcast. Also, we'll hear from Ryan Hollins, of course, uh, NBA expert here on Under the Hood. Oh. And the reason why is because, well, your expectation for Game Four is for the if, if a healthy Clay is good enough to play, you believe the Warriors will win, right? They absolutely win. They absolutely win. I give you like ten free interviews on the house if they will win. Oh, <laughs> yeah, ten free interviews on the house. This will be the fourth. Free interview in the house, four of ten, as Ryan Hollins will be with us coming up at eight ten. I have caught all the uh, first three from Ryan Hollins on your show, Jonathan, and each time I laugh, so I will laugh again tonight when I hear because here here's the brilliance of this: when Hot Take Hollins comes on the air, he already knows that he dug himself in a hole and he's ready to go, so he's laughing to himself when he, he calls you and he picks up the phone and he's ready to go, and you're you're playing the audio for him. It's fantastic. I love it. What's so funny about it is, is that it's not one of those things where <laughs> I will bet you bet I bet it was that it's not the sandwich bet that we right. have around here between yes. nine and six. What it was was it was just him speaking right. it into existence, pretty much saying, Look, man, if the if the Toronto Raptors win the championship, I'll just give you ten free interviews on the house. That's why we have number four of ten tonight. Well, when, when he's uh, shooting off uh, hot takes like he does on first take and he wants to do uh, on various programs, uh, 
He will stumble and back himself into a quarter like he did on your show, and I think it's hilarious. I am glad and excited I can be a part of number four of the ten <laughs> hits over the course of the next couple of weeks. I love Ryan. He'll be on with us at 810 right here on ESPN 1000. <laughs> Plenty of time for your thoughts as well. 312-332-ESPN. Hope that you have a great weekend, a great Friday night with you until 9 o'clock right here on ESPN 1000. So there it was at the Advocate Center in Chicago last night. The Bulls facility, the Bulls make their move. They have their guy in place, uh, Kobe White, the shooting guard from North Carolina with a number seven pick. And I think that one of the things that resonated with me last night covering the draft with you, Chris, and again, you can go into the archives of the Under the Hood podcast, wherever you download your podcast, look for Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. You can relive all the hours and all the coverage right there on the podcast. Um, but I think that one of the things that resonated with me is that the Bulls know they have a mirror up. Clearly, there's mirrors at the Advocate Center. They understand what the organization is. They understand the underachievement. They understand the amount of injuries they've had. And one of the things they also do know, even though the United Center is always full, even though people are watching this Bulls team, they also know that they're not doing a good enough job. And, and I don't. that's not a PR spin, I don't think. I think that John Paxson, the competitor, looks at this and says, Man, I am the losingest general manager currently in the NBA. This is what's happening right now. And I think he looks at it and says, we've got to be able to turn this around. And I I really believe that there is um, a come-to-Jesus moment with this organization saying, we've got to turn this around with this core or else. It it seems like they've become a realist in this situation. It, It felt like in the past, if you brought up a stat or something about their their uh, production on the court that was true that they would get defensive. Right. That that was kind of the MO back in the day with John Paxson, with Gar Foreman and the front office and we are doing it right so you can't call us out for this. But it seems like in the last year things have definitely changed. The tenor has changed. Uh it seems as if they are completely aware of their standing within the NBA ranks. And it's not good. And I think the reason why they're they're realists about this situation is because they're disappointed too. You know, like they expected more. And I don't know if they thought it would be easier or if they would be able to find their star by now to then jumpstart what they're doing with this rebuild. But clearly it has not done what they thought it would do. Thus, they've hit a dose of reality and they understand that it's hard work. and It's going to take time to get this team back to a championship level. It, but the point is, and I can understand how a Bulls fan is frustrated, mm-hmm. especially if you have a financial investment in the team. Chris, what you want is to be able to see a, a young team be able to get up faster than just 13th, 12th, 11th in the East. An Eastern Conference that doesn't have LeBron James in it. It's a wide open NBA right now where you would think if you're healthy, the Bulls should be good enough to be a top eight team in the East. And I know it, it's not as simple as that. But I think that if you're doing your due diligence, one, by making sure that you're drafting well, that you are getting middle-of-the-barrel free agents to have a veteran presence around your young roster, then you're going in the right direction. But the, the, the number one thing with a bullet that has a problem with the Bulls is that you have assets and they can never stay on the floor long enough for you to evaluate. 
and and but he just can't keep going. I can understand a year. I can understand a t- a two years. This has been going on way too long for us to be able to look at the Bulls and say you're 22 and 60, but you're 22 and 60 because your assets aren't on the floor. So so that's got to turn around one way or the other. And they know it too because and, and a part of that is understanding and taking inventory of what they have. If the players they have have selected at high positions in the draft throughout this rebuild process or not on the floor, how do you chart and, and kind of see what the development actually will be at the end? How do you project out what this team will be? How do you even see any production as far as wins go? You know, if you look at the Bulls franchise history, the last two years does not look like the majority of Bulls franchise history. Right. Uh, winning 22 games last year and then 27 the year before, that does not. That's not Bulls basketball. And I think many of us who live in this city who love the Chicago Bulls, we look at that team and we say, come on now. We know that we're not Golden State, but we should be a team that's in the playoffs each and every year. We should be a contender for the Eastern Conference. That's how it should be. I understand the Jordan years are different because we had the greatest player of all time here in the city of Chicago, but this franchise is better than that. We shouldn't be in the 20s. When we look back and say, how many wins did we get 10 years from now? Right. 20s. The Bulls were in the 20s? Come on. They should be in the 50s, mid-50s, heading towards 60. That's what I think Bulls fans want. So, you know, getting the players on the court, and I think they understand that, Jonathan, because if players aren't healthy, how do you gauge the development of this core, and how do you make smart basketball moves? Say if there's someone uh, within this core that you could pawn off and get a star for. You know, a couple of pieces. We were talking last night. What if the Bulls could package together some of this that they've started to collect? Because, you know, there, there are two schools of thought, right? It's collect the assets to then go get a star or have one of those assets turn into the star. Right. Both are okay in my eyes. There are some Bulls fans who, who need to have the development of a rebuild and they want more rebuilding and always be rebuilding. But primarily, the goal of all this would be to get a star to get you to the promised land. But, but because, as you're listening to Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood, Jonathan Hood and Chris Bleck with you here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app, but because the Bulls can't reach for the top shelf, because yeah. of self-inflicted wounds... Just You have to be honest about it because the perception of the organization, and again, this league is largely on perception. It, it, it becomes petty, but it, it, everyone talks, agents talk, players talk. They look at one situation and say, well, I don't want my player to be in this situation because of what John Paxson or Gar Foreman did or whether the perception is. So because you can't reach for the top shelf, you've got to be go to be able to get the top of the middle shelf. That's why I've been pushing a lot for Pat Beverly. Not some kind of max deal, not for, for a huge deal or what Horford's looking for for like a $100 million deal over four years. I'm not talking about that. But you've got to be able to be smart enough to realize that the Otto Porter deal is kind of your jam. That's kind of who you are. You can't get the A-list free agents. You're going to have to trade assets to be able to build your team until you get your reputation back. I think that one of the things that, that really stood out from John Paxson is what we talked about, Chris, and that is that when you are a business and your business is failing and you have commercial time or you have a chance to advertise, you tell that consumer, we did it wrong. Right, you have, yeah. to, you have to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. There is a pizza chain that we know very well, where the face of that pizza chain did it wrong. Is the face of the chain no longer the face of the chain? No longer the face of the chain. Got you it. could find him in Louisville, and and that guy's not around <laughs> anymore. But you right. know what they did? They fell on their sword and they said, "You know what? Yeah. We're, we're better than this, and we want your business." Same thing with John Paxson last night. Optimistic, but understands and very transparent on where the bulls are. We're optimistic, but. 
I say this, and I, if you've heard me talk, I, I'll never oversell anything. We've got a long way to go. Yeah. We, we have a long way to go. We, we won 22 games last year, and you can say you had injuries, and we did, but that's not that's not an excuse. It, we, we we won 22 games, so we've got a long way to go to be competitive. That that's that's where we need to start. We need we need our our players to you know, every night they're out there grinding and playing hard, and our fan base can say, "Hey, this, this group." has potential to to be something special and and the reality too for us is we need our the, the current players on our roster before this draft night to get better I and mean, we've said it all along larry markinen we we feel has great promise he needs to step up wendell in his second year needs to Otto and, and zach as leaders of this team need to to step up so that that's where we're headed but uh tonight was a you know a, a good start for us and uh we're going to free agency we'll see what we can do cautiously optimistic not and here's what he did, Chris. If you listen to it very close in that 56 seconds, he gave reasons and not excuses. Yeah, and it's it's exactly what you pinpoint. When you fail, society forgives you if you acknowledge what you did and you are trying to fix it going forward. We see this in all walks of life. You brought up the pizza chain that has now done that. If you've seen their recent campaign ads, it is a complete difference to what it was Mm -hmm. promoting not only the food, but then also the diversity of that chain, right? Like they have addressed it head on. If you're John Paxson, you're addressing head on. Here are the issues with the Chicago Bulls. This is what needs to change in the future. This is how we're going to try and fix it. Now that you've done that, the fan base should understand. It's a completely different situation if you are defensive about it, if you are naive about it, if you are running from the truth. If you meet the truth head on, I think Bulls fans, I think people who live in this great city can understand what the Bulls are trying to accomplish. Yeah, my issue with with Gar and Pax at times in the last couple of years is the defiance along with the losing. Yeah. See, see, when you are bad and then you're trying to put a middle finger up at the press and everything else, like, oh, we know what we're doing. Well, you know, you can't do both. You can't have, you can't be both. You have to understand that you're failing because you're the face of that failing. Michael Reinsdorf is the face of that failing. And so, yes, he laid it all out for you. Injuries, issues with the team, can't stay healthy, all those things. And he said those things happen, but that's not the reason why that we're 22 and 50, 22 and 60. So those are the things I look at where it's um, a little bit more of a softer landing, but we got to understand the bottom line. Bottom line is that if you're not a top eight in the playoffs, if you're not trying to get closer to the championship, no matter what you say, you're still going to get raked over the coals, and rightfully so, in a big market. Yeah, especially since you've been around for so long, right? Like, we've seen the amount of time that John Paxson and Garforma have had running the Chicago Bulls to make these decisions. You know, this whole concept also reminds me of, like, that Hollywood star that gets caught and is in trouble, and then you see him pop up on Good Morning America and, and the Today Show, and he goes on that tour, the Apology Tour. Oh, yeah. And then he does, what, like, the, the cancer walk, or he does something to then get people back on his side it's like he this is the bulls are now trying to save face for what was taking place in the past they're on the apology tour now they have to fix what they're doing they're trying to do so with this uh, rebuild and that's where kobe white comes into play because i think he is the perfect player for the bulls at this spot and in this moment because this is exactly what they needed they need a lead guard who can score who can create for others and a guy who could flat out play at the end of a game you know it, i we saw last year questions to who was going to get the ball at the end it was zach levine right i don't know if he's the most efficient player at the end of a ball game he might be the second best option 
We do know that Lowry Marketing kind of shied away at the end of games last season. We would like to see more of him in those big spots, clutch minutes at the end of games. But I think Kobe White's going to be the type of player that could step in and help that out. Along with Chris Black, John of the Hood with you and Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Sean, let's open the phone lines at 312-332-ESPN. 332-3776 is our phone number. We want to find out from you, do you believe, is it lip service from the Bulls? Or do you feel that there's going to be a change here with this Bulls team moving forward? Also, what else do the Bulls need? Chris and I will take your phone calls on that. Also, your tweets uh, at TweetJHood, also at Chris Black. We want to find out what else do the Bulls need? And again, John Paxson, optimistic, understands where the Bulls are right now. And again, it's really something, uh, when I look at what's going on with this particular team, what I, what stands out to me, Chris, is is that I feel that there's going to be some change from the Bulls. Now, does that affect the one-loss record? We will see. But there is a change of philosophy that you're going to hear in this interview we're going to do with John Paxson coming up at the bottom of the hour. You can tell that they're not going to go about business the same way. Now, all depends on how the results end up. The draft is one thing. Having Kobe White addressing a, sh- a shooting guard. Uh, free agency is another thing. But organizational philosophy is something I've talked about for years on, on ESPN 1000. Who are you? In marketing, if I don't know who you are in five words, then that's a problem, especially if you're trying to win, trying to make money, whatever it is, right? Well, same thing here. In marketing, I don't know what Bulls basketball is, especially out of Jim Boylan's a head coach, and you have a young team. I don't know what they are in five words. From a marketing standpoint, uh, basketball standpoint, I need to know what's your identity, and that's something that's still to be determined. Slow it down, back basket. Those were the five words last year for the Chicago Bulls. Was at the end right? of the year? Slow yeah. down, back basket. Those were the five words I would give you. I, you know, and I agree with you, Jonathan, because uh, based on the conversation uh, we will hear from John Paxson, there were three things specifically that stood out to me that seems like a change in culture and it, an acknowledgement to the Bulls need to fix this to get into the modern NBA. Number one, pace. They address that with Kobe White. Uh, number two, three-point shooting and three-point attempts. 27th last season in three-point attempts. Now, here's why it's important that you should just take three-point shots. The threat of people taking threes, after you do all the math on the fact that three is more than two in the modern NBA, right? They, and even in, uh, in the 90s, it was three was more than two, right? Mm-hmm. I think based on math. Absolutely. Uh, it spaces the floor. It creates lanes to drive, to kick, to do more offensively. We've seen that with Golden State. Golden State wasn't shooting as many three-point shots, but from the depth they were shooting them from, created all these different lanes. We saw that with Milwaukee this year. So many three-point shots. Uh, we saw Lopez shooting them from even farther out, which created driving lane space for Giannis Antetokounmpo to get to the basket. So I saw that as the second one. The third one was running. John Paxson talked about the fact that basically the Bulls were not in shape to play a up-tempo, faster-paced style basketball last season, and he's not shy about calling out the team and saying they weren't willing to run last season. I think all three of those things are interesting in the change of culture because if you're going to run more, you need to play with more pace, and you're going to shoot more three-pointers, that's something we haven't seen, and we've all complained about the Bulls trying to get into the modern NBA, and they haven't done that to this point. Well, it seems like a change in culture. Well, here's the thing. Again, it depends on what your roster is when the season 
starts. It was hard for you to get up and down the floor when you have G League players that I was covering because I was covering the Windy City Bulls and doing their play-by-play on the radio this past season. And then, you know, and again, you're a two-way player, so you got to be ready either way, right? Yeah. Either G League or the NBA. But when Raleigh Alkins is in there or when, you know, when you see Walt Lemon Jr. in there, they're learning on the fly under a new coach that's trying to slow it down. They slowed it down because Jim, Jim Boylan thought there was just too many turnovers and it was erratic play. Well, whatever it is, it's got to be faster than 20, 20th in pace. It's got to be f- faster than that. And so that, that's why we're talking to you about the Bulls. You know, the, what else do the Bulls need? What else do you want to see them get? And also, is it lip service or do you believe that there's going to be a change with the Bulls as far as philosophy this upcoming season? With Chris Black, Jonathan Hood with you here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. To the phone lines we go, we say hello to Kenosha. Here's Jose on Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood here on ESPN 1000. Hi, Jose. Hey, man. What's going on, guys? It's just, uh, first time calling you guys. I'm a big fan of you guys. Appreciate it. Uh, I, I was uh, listening to you guys, well, pretty much ESPN all day, and I found out a good conclusion. I mean, when you need a win, you need a star, right? You need a star. You have to build around. I mean, right now in the Bulls, we don't really have a star. Uh, and I was just wondering, you know, since we waited four years for Nikola Mertovic. I mean, I don't mind waiting one year to see what KD can do. Um, if he's any close to what he was before, I mean, my understanding is he was the best NBA player this season until he went down. So I don't mind. You know, I've been waiting all this long for another championship. See what, if that's even possible to bring in KD. Uh, you know about the Bulls, right? Are, are the Bulls, is it possible for them to get to KD? Well, here's the thing. There are organizations that have a perception out there. It's what we talked about, Jose, as you were on hold listening. There are perceptions about the Bulls that prevents them from being able to be uh, a contender for an A-list free agent. There's no reason why here in June that we should, shouldn't be talking about Kevin Durant or Clay Thompson or Jimmy Butler again, if you want to go back down that road again, or some of the other top-notch free agents uh, and the Bulls being synonymous. That should be part of the conversation. But you know where the conversation is? It's in Brooklyn. It's in Los Angeles with the Lakers and the Clippers. It's in Dallas. It's in all these other markets. And the Bulls and the Knicks, again, you're talking about two franchises here that have a bad perception the Bulls have to win. Winning will be able to cure that perception. At this point in time, the Bulls are not in a position to be able to get one of those top guys. Yeah, and if we look at the money uh, for cap space for the Chicago Bulls, they've they actually spent the majority of their money. So someone like Kevin Durant, who will get a max uh, salary, Jose, he will not be able to be signed by the Chicago Bulls unless they move some money. They don't have a max uh, slot open for a free agent this summer. So, you know, I, I think the one thing that should always be kept in mind is even though you don't have space right now, doesn't mean that that's not something that can't ever happen because think about it, in today's day day and age in the NBA, mm-hmm. if the star chooses you, you then can move some salary, do a sign-in trade, you can figure a way out. You can find a way to get a star, remember? Like, this is how it kind of goes down. The problem is, Jonathan, like you said, the Bulls aren't really a destination that players want to go to. Mm-mm. If they win, if they play well, if the young players come together and they start putting up wins and they're an exciting team, yeah, maybe a star will look at the Bulls and say, hey, I want to go to that team. I want to be traded there. 
that's where I'm going to sign. So, you know, the players really hold a lot of the cards in this, but right now the Bulls don't have a max salary slot to go after KD this summer. What else do you, and what else do you want if you're a Bulls fan? We're talking about it. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number on this draft eve. You're on Under the Hood. Let's go to Crestwood. Here's Emmett on ESPN 1000. Hey. Hey. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to uh, say that I don't think that Garpack should get any credit for this pick for Kobe White. I mean, he, he, they ended up just getting the best available player in the position, the most, the biggest position they need. So they don't get any, I don't care how good he becomes. They're still in the downside in my, my eyes. I, I don't think they should get any credit. They just lucked into the, their biggest need being the best available player. Well, like that, they didn't do anything to earn any, anything in my eyes. They, they just keep making the same mistakes and they just lucked into that and I don't think they deserve any credit for it no the, matter how good he becomes. Well the criti- the criticism of Gar Foreman and John Paxson is just there's no doubt because here's why you know the one loss record tells you all you need to know and, and even John as in, in the uh, press conference that we heard, the conversation that we heard, he he says that you know we've had injuries, but it shouldn't be no excuse. We should be a better ball club. But keep in mind that uh, luck and skill together will get you an NBA championship, or at least get you to where you want to be. And yes, in that draft last night, as Chris and I were hosting it yesterday, we thought that the team before the Bulls would get uh, would get Kobe White, and that the Bulls would have Jared Culver. That was not the case. So if you say you lucked into the pick. Keep in mind, they could have easily went with a Euro. They could have went with P.J. Washington, Nasir Little. They could have went with somebody else. They went with what was obvious, and that was the point guard. Well, the way the the top of the first round unfolded, they could have also made a trade and given away pieces to then get Kobe White. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like you look at it and you say, yeah, they just sat at seven and they let someone fall to them, but they also were smart about their intel and figured out that they would have a shot at that player at that spot. They didn't have to give up anything to get him. Like, like I see it as a positive. Sure. Like, I get that you look at it. I, I get that some could look at it and say they didn't do anything. Yeah, but actually doing nothing in that situation was the right answer. Right. Because if you were sitting with Kobe White, but you had to trade Zach Levine and a number one pick next year for it, that wouldn't be worth it. Well, even mine. You know what I'm saying? Like, like there's so much movement at the top, the top five. Right. And you get, you have the Atlanta moving up and then you have Minnesota moving up. And then you look at it and you're saying to yourself, do we now have to add in more? Is it two first rounds and Zach Levine to get Garland or White? Like, that's not worth it. So staying and getting the player, that's the right move. Well, keep, keep in mind that nobody gets on the Bulls and is more of a bulldog on Bulls basketball than you and I because we are watching this very closely. Right. And, and as I said the other night, one of the reasons why that I enjoy watching the NBA is because I need to see how other teams do it. That way I can go right back to the Bulls and say, well, this is how these teams are always in the mix in the playoffs, always in with an opportunity to win the championship, always drafts well. How come Chicago can't do it? So I'm always looking at everything else in the league to be able to look at the Bulls the same way. Keep in mind, there's a lot of reasons to bitch about the Bulls. There's a reason about all the, the losses, all the uh, underachievement. Last night's not a reason to do that. Last night's not a reason to bitch about the Bulls. For, and, and by the way, if that's not the pick that you wanted in Kobe White, um, who else would you have wanted? Besides Zion, which was not available, who they want? Bull Bull. <laughs> no, let's not go back there to Bull Bull. But uh, that's that's the whole thing. 
That's the whole thing. Like you, you, you got the best available, and you feel the need exactly. And and how about this? He can step in and play right away. You know, Jackson Hayes would be a project. You'd have some other guys who'd be a bit of a project. You'd have to wait. Cam Reddish, he's probably not going to step in and play right away. Kobe White, he will be able to start for you in October, and he will be really good from the from the get go. Even though John Paxson said a lot of things to us last night in our conversation, Chris, yeah. it, the the Bulls and their their winning, the Bulls being able to be healthy, the Bulls getting into the playoffs, that's going to prove a lot to the Bulls fan base more so than what they're saying. It's about action. That's what it's about. It's about it's about a process and you actually doing something. Stay the course because the Brooklyn Nets proved to you uh, this year, this last year, that if you have young players who develop, you can figure it out. And look at the Eastern Conference. A lot of things can change in the next two weeks with free agency. Let's go to Lake Forest. Here's Paul with Jonathan and Chris here on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. Hi, Paul. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Great show. Thank you, sir. I vote for lip service. Uh, PAX is nothing but a well-paid show. And you guys can't say it. That's all right. We, the fans, will say it for you. Reinsdorf could care less about wins or losses as long as they sell out. Look at the White Sox. Seven years of being terrible. He could care less. Bottom line, now you got Michael Reinsdorf in there. Second generation's job is to build up the wealth. It's not the third generation. It's not until the third generation that you rip it apart. Reinsdorf is only bottom line. The fan is about seventh in line as far as his allegiance goes. You know what I think, Paul? I think John John Paxson is just a well-paid, what did you call him? Shill. Yes, he's a well-paid shill. You know what? That's what he is, isn't he? He is. Yeah. You know know who said apologist for the Reinsdorf? You know you know who said it? I just you're just gonna keep you're not gonna have a conversation, right? You're just gonna keep talking over me, huh? Paul, you're just gonna keep talking over me, right? You're just gonna keep talking over me. What's that? Go ahead. Okay, I will. Coming up, we'll hear from John Paxson, the vice president of basketball operations. I will go ahead. Paul, if you're not gonna give the phone number (laughs) in the station, you just can't keep talking over me. Jonathan Hood. On ESPN 1000, Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Glad you're with me here on Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app with Chris Black, Jonathan Hood with you. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Chris Black at TweetJHood. Last night, Chris and I... Got a chance to talk to the Vice President of Basketball Operations, John Paxson, after the 2019 NBA draft was done. Listen closely to some of the things that John said. John said some things that we haven't heard before on the record. I asked him first his overall thoughts on the draft. Before we talk about what you've done, what did you think of the draft overall? Chris and I were going back and forth. We thought at the top, top 10, there's some quality players there. There's, there's some projects in the middle, and it, I think it got better in the second, in the second round. What do you think of overall the draft? Well, I, I think at least what it showed us was that kind of beauty's in the eye of the beholder, you know. I mean, our, our draft board, it looked a little different than the, the way the draft went, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but that's, that's the way it is, you know. I mean, and, and a lot of teams look at their rosters, they maybe try to address needs, or you just, you know, you fall in love with the uh, guy's Maybe it's his athletic tools or skill level, and, and you go with it. Um, but you know, for us, it, you know, we feel like we we 
got what we needed tonight in terms of where we were drafting, and we feel real good about it. Uh, take us inside the draft board. When Kobe White was sitting there at 7 for you guys, you had to be ecstatic because as we were sitting there watching these players and teams, Minnesota and the Hawks jump yeah. up ahead of you, we were worried that there wasn't going to be a point guard on the board for you. Is that what you were targeting, a point guard for 7? Well, we, we weren't targeting. We had our, our board, and you know, with when you're drafting – in the top ten, we, we would have gone according to our board. So if guy if guys were gone, we would have taken a, a player that we we had there. So and we were all pre- we were prepared for that. I think what getting Kobe did it it changed kind of our focus in the second round. Um, had we drafted a different position in the first, we would have been looking for something different, you know, in the second. So that for us, that's the way it kind of played out. And uh, but we you know we, we, every team views things a little differently and yeah there's probably a few minutes there where when minnesota moved up we thought you know they may be moving up to get to get a point but uh you never really know in this in this business you can try to get as much intel as you want but everybody's lying to each other anyway because they want to they want to get the guy they want so uh and you know for us trying to move didn't make a whole lot of sense because the price to do so for us was it was it was too much so uh, we stood pat, and we got a guy we really liked. John, you play the position. What would you be your advice for Kobe White as a lead guard trying to lead this team? What would be your advice for him? Well, first of all, the, the game has changed so much, and point guard, the, the true definition of it, it really doesn't apply as much anymore. I think that that position, you have more combo guards anyway. I think what you see is, you know, you, ha- you do you certainly have point- guards that that have a better feel or maybe some instincts that make them great passers, that type of thing. But everybody has to have a scoring component now. So um, I think where Kobe has to grow, first of all, he, he's really fast. He can play that push game. He's going to have to learn when to rein it in, you know, hold back, uh, understand decision-making a little better. But Again, none of these guys are finished products. You know, they, they're, they're all going to learn. They're all going to get better. It's on us. It's on our coaching staff to, to put them in positions where they can learn to, to make better decisions. So, but, you know, as we delve into it and we, you know, we meet him, get to know him, this is a young guy that's, that wants to be good and will put everything into it. So I think when you guys get to see him, get to know him a little bit, he, he's a great kid. He, he, he really is. He raved about the meeting he had here at Advocate Center yeah. with you guys. Tell us about that meeting. What happened and, and who, who do you talk to besides Jim Boylan? Well, we, we visited with him. All, you know, all of us do. You know, we sit in a room with him and kind of put him through the, you know, the torture chamber, you know. But he was such a genuinely nice young man, uh, very open about everything that in his life and his experiences you know he's had the he lost his dad a couple of years ago and uh but but when he got with jim jim had taken uh some video uh some clips of him that were really good some clips that weren't so good and just they went through them and they talked about basketball and when we got him on the phone tonight after after the draft uh you know he referenced that and said he's looking forward to to more of those things and i i think it's what it's it showed Kobe and I, I th- our players have learned in the in the time that they've been with Jim after the you know we'll call it the rocky start is that Jim genuinely cares about these guys he invests in them and you can't be a good coach in this league anymore if you're not investing in these in these players uh, the time uh, being sincere uh, they they have to know 
that you, you genuinely want them to be better players. And, and he's doing that. I think Kobe saw that in the meeting. I, I really do. Along with uh, Chris Bleck and Jonathan Hood, talking to John Paxson with us here on our 2019 NBA Draft Show here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I want to get your thoughts on something you said to the press earlier. Of course, we're not going to see a lot of players play 82 games anymore. Things have changed in that regard. But is load management something that you've been thinking about? You have the youngest team in the NBA, and you think, hey, these guys are young. They just want to get up and down the floor. They just want to learn. Is load management a concern for you? It's, it's, uh, it's on the radar of everybody now. Mm-hmm. Um, you can call it what you want, but it's basically managing players so that uh, you try to keep them as healthy as they are. Um, we all pay attention to it, but... You know, there, there is the mindset for all of us that as as much as these guys train in as great shape they are, and you even think about our league now where they, they've, uh, you know, no longer have four games and five nights. They've reduced the number of back-to-backs. You would think that, you know, that, that players would be able to, to manage games and th- those minutes more and more. But I personally feel it's, you know, th- th- these kids start playing basketball all year round at a really early age now. And I think, you know, you go through AAU basketball, they're playing 70 games a summer, and honestly, it, it never really ends for them. So I, I think the the toll on them as they get to the league has become great. So the the idea of managing players is going to be a priority for all of us. And, you know, the, the one situation that we can look back on this year that we've talked about is you know, we had the four-overtime game in uh, in Atlanta. And we had a lot of guys play big minutes. And we talked afterwards about, you know, maybe we should, uh, you know, do some things. I, I think we went to Zach and said, hey, you know, maybe. But to Zach's credit, Zach, that we were playing Atlanta, you know, turning around and playing him. Zach's credit said, no, no, I'm, I'm playing. You know, I'm, you know, so we're, we're going to have to, and I think all teams are looking at this saying, okay, be more proactive in terms of maybe how we, we do rest guys. Um, I don't think you want to go overboard with this because first of all players are pay, paid to play and the fans pay to see them play right and uh, i think we have to be very careful with that because uh you can get into a situation where you know it's not healthy for your your fan base not healthy for your team and uh but it's definitely it's on everybody's radar now and with rest means the team could probably run more during the game. You mentioned that maybe the whole team wasn't committed to running last season. Was that more of a point guard issue, or is that like pushing the pace, or is that a team wide issue of guys not committed to running? Well, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. Um, I think that w- one of the things that Jim wants to do is because we we do feel like we have some versatility. Uh, you saw last year where Lowry can take the ball off the board and and push it. Uh, Zach can do it. Otto can do it. Chandler Hutchinson, who we, we think that, that might be his best skill, is rebounding and pushing and, and getting out. Kobe White can run. I, I think the more multiple ball handlers you can have if you rebound the ball, the, the more we'll be able to, to do that. But it has to be a mindset. You know, I, I was watching, you know, you watch all the playoffs and stuff. I mean, Golden State, man, that ball chain, it comes off the board, and they are sprinting. I mean, yep. it, consistently. It's not like they, they trot up and down. So, And you're seeing that more and more. Uh, so I, I think it's as much a mindset and a, a belief system. Um, our, assist, our, our new assistant coaches that we have, uh, Chris Fleming's a very offensive, creative offensive mind. He wants to, you know, push and run. Jim does, too. Uh, you know, last year we just, you know, our personnel and the amount of injuries we had, it, it was just so disjointed we really couldn't play any real style uh to be honest with you so um 
he'll have an opportunity this summer in a training camp to implement what he wants. What will, what will we see in Daniel Gafford, the kid from Arkansas? Um, you know what? He's uh, when, when we talk to him, we realize that he's a very self-aware young man. He knows who he is. And as a basketball player, he, he, we feel he won't get out of, out of character. So what he does well, very athletic, uh, high motor, runs the floor. He can move his feet, defend, uh, rebound. Mm-hmm. I, it's analytically, when you looked at him rebounding the ball and shot blocking, he was really high. He played in a very good conference, obviously, the SEC against some real good athletes and talent. So, you know, we liked him last year because he kind of tested the waters. And uh, he went back to Arkansas, had a really good year. And, you know, it, ha- having drafted Kobe, that's the type of guy we were looking for. So uh, we, we feel really good about him. Coming into tonight, we were talking about before the show uh, how we thought you guys needed more shooting and a point guard, obviously. Uh, last year, you were 27th in three-point attempts yep. in the league. Is that a focus this season to shoot more threes, thus creating you know just the idea of more three-point shots could open up the floor more spacing allowing zach and now kobe to penetrate and kick it out to others is that something you guys are talking about uh, we we want to play that way but you, you do, you're right you need the personnel um i i think our you know last year again it was so disjointed because we we didn't again you don't have your complete roster but that, that's not an excuse it just it just made it hard for us to to really try to do anything that we want to do. I, I, we had that stretch where after we traded for Otto and he was healthy, we were playing pretty well and, and had some decent moments. But this is going to be a whole new team. It's going to be a, a fresh start for a lot of guys. Uh, I think the the energy from the staff will be different because we've added a, a couple of new people and in, in Chris and Roy Rogers. Uh, that, that should kind of, you know, infuse a, a different little bit of uh, attitude to us. And so we're, we're, we're optimistic. But... And I'd say this, and I, if you've heard me talk, I, I'll never oversell anything. We've got a long way to go. Yeah. We, we have a long way to go. We, we won 22 games last year, and you can say you had injuries, and we did, but that's not that's not an excuse. It, we, we we won 22 games, so we've got a long way to go to be competitive. That that's that's where we need to start. We need we need our our players to you know, every night they're out there grinding and playing hard, and our fan base can say, hey, this, this group has potential to to be something special and and the reality too for us is we need our the the current players on our roster before this draft night to get better and we've said it all along larry markinen we we feel has great promise he needs to step up wendell in the second year needs to Otto and and zach as leaders of this team need to to step up so that that's where we're headed but uh tonight was a you know a a good start for us and uh, we're going to free agency see what we can do the reason why you didn't find me very often because I was in Hoffman Estates a lot, yeah, good. watching the G League, right? <laughs> good. Yeah. Good. Any, 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 anybody stand out that could make the right? Like I liked Alkins, Walt Lemon Jr. going to the basket. That was an igniter yeah, offensively. Yeah. Anybody you like? Well, on the, Walt, on the team? Walt's going to be with us this summer, uh, so we'll we'll see. And uh, you know, but now with the G League, you know, we have this opportunity to sign two way contracts and things like that. Those those are valuable now because. You know, it goes kind of back to what you talked about—the load management. We we have fifteen. We have a fifteen-man roster. The G League allows us to to have two more players that you can bring up for forty-five days, and they can play in games and that type of thing. So there's real value there. So we we are we're looking at that avenue maybe to 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 find a gem if we can and uh, and go from there. But uh, uh, Hoffman State's been pretty good to us. We, we've gotten a couple of you know a couple of talented young men for for our program. 
I know you're not going to give us names as you head towards free agency, but uh, what are you guys looking at as the biggest need? Uh, something, maybe a three-point shooter? Is it veteran leadership? Is there something that you guys have pinpointed that we need to go out and acquire this summer? Well, the combination of things. I mean, we, we want good vets. We want guys that uh, you know fit who we want to be, fit Jim Boylan. Uh, so that's tough-minded. Um, but, you know, we, I, we need a little more front court, I think. Uh, if we can find some versatility in maybe that 3-4 position, you know, uh, we, 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 that would help us. And, you know, we still are looking at, you know, guards maybe that, that might fill a gap. We, we, we still have work to do, you know, and, and uh, we got some, some ideas, and, and now we get to, to tackle that. You like the landscape of the NBA? We like it because we think it's wide open. Now, here's the thing. Yeah. We're going to temp- we're not going to do what we did to you last year. We did not say playoffs once, did no. we? we? We did not. Six no. hours of coverage. We yep. didn't say play. We bombarded you with that last year, so yep. we're not saying that. You we're, set us straight, though. You I, set I us straight. Say that. Yeah. Yes, so we're not saying that. We're, right. we're calm. It's right. process. Pro- yeah, it process. is. Yeah. I, like I said, I want us to get back to our fan base can say, hey, these guys are competing every night and uh, and and feel good about you know the guys out there on the floor. I I think a guy like Kobe will be somebody that our fan base will enjoy watching play, and I think our te- his teammates will enjoy him. They'll, he'll he'll fit with them great. So, but it's just a start, and uh, we still got a long way to go. Jonathan on ESPN One Thousand. You're listening to Jonathan Hood on ESPN One Thousand and the ESPN app. Chris Black, Jonathan Hood, Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app for our post-NBA Draft Eve show. We will get a chance to talk about free agents. You have a list of free agents, do you not? I do. Uh, These are names that I think the Bulls could sign with the money that they have. This is not the big ticket items, the uh, Kevin Durant's, the Kyrie Irving's. These are the guys that would be solid role players that maybe the Bulls could have a chance to sign this offseason. So... Bulls possibilities. Yeah. Also, Ryan Hollins comes on for interview number four <laughs> of ten. All part of the mix next. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000.